All right. Well, let's pray, and then I'll get into God's Word. I'm really looking forward to just sharing His Word. Um, Father, I thank You so much, God. You're so good and so real, and You've revealed Yourself to us through Jesus, through Your Word, through Your Holy Spirit, through creation. But God, those of us that are put our faith in Christ can say, Abba, Father, and it's the best gift in reality. And I just pray that You would open our eyes to Your reality, a God reality, Your truth. Teach us through Your Word, God, and may it be the Spirit of Christ in me and through me. Soften all of our hearts to receive Your Word, that we can receive it with meekness, and be doers. We want to be doers. Help us to want to love You and obey You and be delighted in You more than ever before, God. And uh, I just thank You. I thank You, God, that You're with us tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Um, the main passage I'm going to focus on tonight is Luke chapter 10. Um, verse 38 through 42. So if you want to turn there or go there on your cell phone, you, you may. Um, but real quick, I just want, as you're turning there, Luke chapter 10, 38, I just want to testify of God's goodness. Um, I've been kind of wrestling with what to share or, you know, my own insecurities and like, you know, doubting myself, doubting that I'm hearing God, just all these things. And Today after work, God helped me to spend some time in prayer and just praise. And a shift happened when I started thanking Him for His faithfulness and started looking at His faithfulness. And then the, the focus turned from me and my abilities or inabilities to God and His faithfulness. And it's like, you've given me this opportunity. I'm trusting you. You're going to speak tonight through the worship, through the fellowship, through, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, through the Word. So I just want to testify, like, my confidence has shifted. I'm looking forward to it now, you know, because the focus turned from myself to Jesus. He is so faithful, and it's His faithfulness. So I'm looking forward to uh, sharing what He's put on my heart. All right, so I'm just going to read through this passage, and um, so I'll read through it, and then I'm going to go through and kind of just... Um, insert some, some thoughts and dissect it a little bit, not super deep. Um, but he's going to teach us uh, something about priorities and what's really most valuable. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Lord. All right, um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Um, some other versions say needful. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good portion, 
which will not be taken away from her. So, one thing we noticed in this was that it was Martha that greeted the Lord Jesus. Um, Martha welcomed him into her house. So, Martha, that was thoughtful, that was kind. She was serving Jesus in that capacity. She was extending herself, welcoming him into her home. Um, But verse 40 tells us something about Martha. It says that she was distracted with much serving. Now, all of us at times can be distracted. We can be distracted through, um, you know, anything. It can be our cell phones. It can be um, other certain pleasures. But this says that Martha was distracted through much serving. Serving can be a good thing. Serving is a good thing. But she was distracted. But the question is, what was Martha distracted from? That's very important. She was distracted from Jesus. The most valuable gift that has ever been in this universe. Jesus, the Son of God and God in the flesh, God incarnate, was there before her. And she was distracted doing a good thing from Jesus. He's the one that has the words of eternal life, of hope, of redemption, of purity, of forgiveness, and love. But another thing is Martha thought she was doing the right thing. She thought she was good. Hear her response as she was speaking to the Lord. She said, Lord, don't, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So it was like she was saying, I'm the one doing the right thing. She's over there. Like, she's left me alone serving. She thought she was in the right. Then tell her then to help me. So Martha had a wrong perspective. She did not value nor esteem Christ as Mary did. That can happen to any of us. In our own thinking, we can think we're doing the right thing even a good thing. And maybe we are, but we need to be sensitive to the Spirit, part of fellowship, submitted to leadership, checking our own heart. If we're dealing with anxiety or frustration or anger, check our heart. Bring it before the Lord. Lord, am I distracted from You? Um, Praise the Lord. But Jesus, the Matthew Henry commentary said something about him gently rebuking her. And I like that. He gently and lovingly rebuked her. (laughs) In verse 41, he said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. So, a question, have you been anxious? Have you been troubled about many things? Because that's not the Lord's will to be anxious. And look who's the one saying that. Many of you know what I've dealt with. But God is doing a work. He's helping me. He really is. He's helping me to shift my focus from my performance and what I have to do to the finished work of Jesus and who He is. And that's what a lot of what this is about. But He lovingly rebuked her. We too often look for um, pleasure and uh, or satisfaction and fulfillment in wrong things. Again, it can be pleasure, it can be food, it can be entertainment, 
But it can, all, it can be the approval of others. It can be our performance. That's a big one for me. But it can also be in serving. Looking for our fulfillment, our identity, our satisfaction from doing, from serving. But in Isaiah, I believe it was, says, all our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. Now, thank God for a new life where we can please the Father, but our satisfaction alone will be through relationship with Jesus Christ. And yes, there are other aspects of that through fellowship with each other. Uh, there's, in serving, there can be a sense of satisfaction, but the bedrock of our identity should be in Christ. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll share a quick little testimony in this. Uh, today at work, there's just uh, quite a bit to do at work recently. Um, and in my position, I'm responsible to make sure that product gets done at the right, at a proper quality and quantity and out to be served. So it's a, you know, decent amount of responsibility. And I get anxious. Like, okay, we got to do this, got to do this, these muffins. Anxious about muffins. Who worries about muffins? You know? <laughs> Who'd have thunk? But, but today it was happening, and I was just anxious, but I was still working, and God was giving me grace. But at lunch, He helped me. I ate my lunch, and He helped me to get out this my notes. And it wasn't like the notes, really. It was the Scripture. He helped me just to sit at His feet, just to read through some of the Scriptures. And guess what happened? God gave me a peace. And from that place of peace, I was able to get my eyes off of myself and what we had to do. And I noticed I was more sensitive to my coworkers. I was more, in, I would say probably engaged. It was more, it was the life of God. It was different, you know? But it took me stepping aside, getting alone to some extent, and just sitting at His feet. And He was washing me, cleansing me through His Word. And from that place... It became about others, at least to some extent, you know, but it was different. It was totally different. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He absolutely wants to do that in our lives. So we read about um, Martha. She was distracted while doing a good thing. Um, I'm going to reread verse 42. Jesus said, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus said that one thing was necessary. And he also said, Mary has chosen. So we see two different things. Martha, she was serving. Mary was doing something different. Jesus put an emphasis. He prioritized what was most important in that moment. It was not serving in that moment. It was the most important thing was sitting at his feet and listening to His words. So, what did Mary choose? If she chose the one thing, if she chose the best thing, the, the good portion, what, what did she choose? Well, to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to His teaching. Again, He has the words of life. Mary valued and esteemed Jesus more than anything else. So, this thing, this one thing, sitting at his feet and listening to his words, is necessary and needful. But why? Why? I mean, we can all think, yeah, of course, Jesus. But I'm going to uh, just share 
uh, a few different reasons why it's so important that we take the time to say no to some things so that we'll say yes to Him. Or really, it's the other way. To really say yes to Him and therefore say no to some other things, even some good things, even serving sometimes. These are three key reasons. One, Jesus wants to reveal Himself to you. Jesus Christ, the Creator of heaven and earth. We're talking about God. We're not talking about another human merely. Yes, He became you. Jesus Christ, God the Father, Holy Spirit, wants to reveal Himself to you. That in itself is astounding. But He wants you to delight in Him. And I'm just going to read a verse. Uh, I believe Pastor shared this recently. It's, uh, you don't have to turn there. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Isn't that beautiful? To gaze, to fix His attention on the beauty of the Lord. Do we have that reality in our hearts? Do we have that reality in our minds and in our soul? God, I want to gaze upon your beauty. That takes a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Being born again, something in our hearts, and just yielding to Him. He wants to do that for you, where you get satisfied by gazing upon the beauty of this invisible but real God. That's a testimony. You know, when you see someone delighted in Him, it's like, man, what, what happened to her or him? It's a relationship with God. He wants that for you. you. Maybe you haven't experienced it a lot or at all, but it is possible by grace through faith. God wants you to gaze upon His beauty and to delight in Him. And that's one reason to sit at His feet, because that's where that can be cultivated. It's not that we go in and expect this experience, and if we don't feel something, we get upset. But it's just cultivating that relationship with Him. The invisible, but very real, very present God. He's so faithful. Another reason that this one thing is needful and necessary is that God Almighty wants to empower you. He wants to empower you to overcome temptation and to persevere through trials. Uh, I'm just going to read, again, I'm just going to read probably a few scriptures. You don't need to turn there, but you can. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Through that sitting at His feet, God is wanting to put something in your soul, a reverence for Him, a love for Him, an honor and a fear of Him, that when temptation comes, you will take the way of escape. Our flesh 
doesn't want the way of escape. But God wants to do something in your soul, in your mind, your spirit, through sitting at His feet and hearing His words, the one thing, so that when temptation comes, you're taking that way of escape. And that can look like a variety of things. One way is thanksgiving and praise. Um, He's so faithful. But He also, the one thing is necessary because He wants you to persevere through trial. We all are going to face trials. Every single human, whether they're a believer or not. But there's a purpose for the trials that believers face. And God wants to equip you and empower you to persevere through trials. I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. That's pretty serious. Grieved by various trials. What a com- yeah, compassionate God to say that. You, you, you will be grieved by trials. He knows your heart. He knows your suffering. He knows your pain. He knows your doubts. He knows your fears. You will be grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found, here's the key, to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What an awesome God. The trials we go through are so that our faith can be proven genuine or so we can see our hearts, the weakness of our faith. But it's not even about us. It says, found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. The trials you face, as we yield to Him, as we trust Him, as we cry out to Him, somehow God Almighty is getting glory. That's amazing. He wants us to persevere through trial because He, the one who loves you and whom you love, gets glory. Now, we all fail. So we confess, we repent, we get back up, and we start thanking Him and seeking Him again, okay? We are far from perfect. But God wants to cultivate character, godly character, that when you face a trial that you will persevere and bring Him glory. So that's another reason why the one necessary thing is uh, important for us. I might have totally butchered that, but the one thing, um, yeah, the one necessary thing. Let me see what I say. Okay. That is why one thing is necessary, and that is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to His words. And then... Thirdly, God wants to give you His burden and His heart for lost and hurting souls. Whether it's family members, like some of us heard last night through Justin about the redeeming God. Justin did a good job of talking about the Redeemer. But God wants to give you His heart. He wants to give you a burden for other people. That's God. Because all of us have a sinful nature, and it's focused on who? Me, 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 me. Even when we don't think it is, it's too often on me. It's too often on us. But God wants to actually 
work His heart, His compassion, His love, His brokenness, a poverty of spirit into you. I'm kind of struggling with this. A poverty of spirit into you. Um, Okay, so I'm going to read from John chapter 15, um, verses 4 through 5. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine. That's Jesus talking. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It takes abiding in Jesus. It's not just a one-time experience at the church. It's not just, you know, it's not just a one-time thing. It's abiding in Jesus. And that time alone with Him, getting alone with the Creator, to sit at His feet and to listen to His words, His truth, His mercy for your soul. When you do that, He wants to give you that burden for lost souls. And He even says, If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. He wants to give you His desires. So, it is so important. If we really want to have a burden for lost souls, the kids at the housing authority, the parents, your family, We and ourselves don't have anything. We literally don't have anything that's going to help someone into eternity by ourselves. We can't change someone's heart. But when you abide in God and you take that time to spend time in His presence, sit at His feet. He wants to give you something that is eternal to give to others. Whether it's through prayer whether it's through a phone call, a text, a word, um, a, a heart of meekness that goes low, that is patient when provoked. He wants to give you that, that heart for others. But it comes through spending that time with Jesus, cultivating that, abiding in Him. And He wants that for you. He wants that for me. He wants that for the young kids here. He wants them to cultivate that. He's so faithful. Um, So, a question. Is serving bad? No, of course not. Well, it was Jesus was just prioritizing. In Mark 20, 28, Jesus said, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus shows it's about serving others. It's about serving the Father and serving others. But He's prioritizing it. Again, no good dwells in us in our flesh. It has to come from abiding in the vine. Apart from Him, we have no good thing. We have to tell ourselves that. Lord, apart from You, I am not good. I don't bring anything to the table of goodness, of eternal value to anyone. I have to believe that according to the Word. Because I want to believe I'm good. Deep inside I do, but the Word is reality. 
So we need to humble ourselves and seek the Lord and spend that time with Him so that we have something to offer others. It is Christ that lives in us. That's the good. So I say that because serving is not bad, but serving should come from a place of union and communion with Jesus Christ. That's what He wants for you. He wants you to spend time with Him alone. I'll get to that in a moment, but whatever that looks like, so that you have something to give to others. Because He wants to use your life. God wants to use your life. No matter what you're going through, He wants to use you. And don't discount the way He uses you. People are hurting. People are hurting in the world. People are suffering. People are struggling. People need hope. People need forgiveness. They need to know if someone cares. They need to know that they don't have to be alone. That they can be forgiven. They need to be corrected sometimes. And God wants to use your life, not because you're perfect, but because He's called you. But spending time with Him is essential and vital because it's not us. It's His life. Okay. So, kind of wrapping it up here. Um, Got a little bit left, but kind of coming to a close. Um, So again, Jesus said that one thing is necessary. So my question is, just take a moment. What does sitting at the feet of... So Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. What does sitting at the feet of... He's not here today in the physical, but He's here with us. He's very present. So what does sitting at the feet of Jesus, the Creator of heaven and earth, literally spoke the Son into being, what does that look like for your life? Just literally take whatever, 15, 30 seconds, just... What does that look like to sit at His feet and to listen to His words for you? Not for someone else, for you. So, I'm not really going to go into depth of what that necessarily should look like for you because we're all unique. We all have different responsibilities. We all have different um, desires, creativity. But I do want to ask, do you have a daily quiet time? Do you have a, a time throughout the day where you pull away from the world, you pull away from all other relationships, and you sit at the feet of the Creator and you listen to His words? Because He wants to speak to you. He wants to show you His heart. He wants to fill you with hope. He wants to fill you with love. He wants to fill you with mercy. He wants to fill you with that power to overcome. He wants to put other people on your heart that you'll get out of self and pray and intercede for someone else. He wants to do that. But we have to get at His feet Say no to other things and yes to Him. For me, that's my morning. That's my uh, time before I go to work. But it might look different for you. Again, I'm not here to tell you exactly what it should look like. But God wants you to have that time with Him. But also I understand, especially for parents, 
or for someone in a role, like I think of Adam Abbey, or pastor, you know, just with a lot of responsibility. Parents, what does that look like? You know, you might have a kid wake up early in the morning. It's going to probably look, <laughs> Josh and Samantha, you know. It's, it might look different. You might not always have that consistent time. But take a step of faith. Be intentional to spend time with Him. But you've got to be intentional. He will bless you. He will fill you as you humble yourself and believe His Word because He wants to use your life. Um, so it's not only the quiet time, whether it's in the morning, but it's abiding in Him throughout the day. What scriptures are you memorizing or meditating on? Again, there's not a formula. But how are you sitting at His feet even throughout the day? It could be a few minutes to get away and just in the restroom and just, Lord, I need you. Lord, you're faithful. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. He wants a fellowship with you through the day. And as you follow Christ, there absolutely will be a demand on your life. There will be a demand on your life. Jesus is our example. He laid down his life unto death. So if you are following Jesus, there will be a pull and a demand on your life. We have to spend that time with him because we don't have anything in ourselves to give to others of ourselves. Otherwise, we'll get frustrated. So I urge you and encourage you to make it a priority to spend that time with him because there's a demand. But when you're abiding in Him, you're cultivating that relationship to serve others throughout the day. We're still going to fail. I still will get frustrated and upset. But again, I confess, I repent, and I get before the Lord. But there will be a demand. Um, all right, now I'm really close to wrapping it up. Um, I just thought of a, some people as I was doing this. I just want to point out, like Brian and Joseph, Frank and Thomas. When I see the parents come here with your kids, um, think of Pastor and Rose, and I know Glenn and Jesse do a lot, and others. The life in you guys to give to others has to be Jesus. And I'm just pointing you out as some examples. Brian wouldn't ha doesn't have anything to give to Joseph of himself. He can be a nice guy. He can be kind. He can take him places. But when he's abiding in God and spending, sitting at Jesus' feet, Brian has something to give to Joseph. He has a biblical worldview and perspective. He has compassion and love. He's got truth. But it comes through spending time with Jesus because it's not the goodness of Brian. It's Jesus. And that's for you parents and everyone. God wants to use you for your kids. But it's spending that time with him and we must prioritize it. Um, in closing, God is calling us closer to Himself. It's been very obvious, especially uh, what Pastor said recently really inspired a lot of this direction of the message. But I believe God is speaking to it. He's just reiterating, come to me. It's about being with me and from that place going forth. Um, he doesn't need us. God is self-sufficient, but He wants us. But remember, it doesn't end with us. 
He wants to give you a heart for others. He wants to empower you to overcome sin, to persevere. And I had one other one, I don't even remember, but I don't care. God is just so good. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, just remember that one thing is necessary. Get any distractions out of the way and seek the Lord. Sit at His feet and listen. He wants to reveal Himself to you. So I'm going to just close in prayer. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word and that the entrance of Your Word gives light. Lord, You love my family here and me so much, and You're so kind. So God, help us to follow through what we've been hearing and to prioritize time with You. Even when we're busy, You can do it. You can give us wisdom to know how to do it when it looks impossible. But we need You. And God, from that place, help us to come together and worship You. And we'll be so united and strong in the Lord. And You will use our lives, God. So I just praise You and I thank You for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm feeling led to have a little time of prayer. And uh, God spoke to us through our brother. And he made something very real to me today with this situation that happened. And like I said, it kind of shook me up to my core. And it was basically the whole concept of God calling us, calling us. I mean, it's, it's been constant, really. It, this has been going on for two years now. He keeps calling, he keeps calling, and most of the time, it's really been loving and gentle, a gentle, come to me, draw near to me, um, and here it is again. Um, and so, you know, this situation today shook me up because it, it just showed me how subtly someone gets away from the Lord and then how the enemy comes in and because they haven't been, they've gotten distracted, they've gotten busy, they've lost sight of God, they're not sitting at His feet. And the devil waited 15 years. And then that is trapped. And it, it's horrible what's happened. I still don't believe in God. But what shook me was, immediately what came to me is like the Lord spoke to me, like, you better take heed. And, and he's making this very real to me. Like, he's trying to prepare us. We don't understand. It's kind of like the disciples. They didn't understand what was going to happen, actually. You know, they were all bold. They all really believed they were going to stand for Jesus. And what was Jesus' word to them? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Watch and pray. And they couldn't. They were sleepy, you know. That It's just a picture of the flesh. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. 
But we understand after that what happened, right? Jesus provided what, like we heard, what they didn't have in themselves. And then when he said, hey, go wait in that upper room. Get at my feet. Get together. Seek me. Draw near to me. I'm going to give you what you don't have in yourself so that you can stand because you are... Jesus understood, and he told them, you are going to be persecuted. You are going to be hated. But you know what? You are going to be my witnesses. You are going to proclaim the gospel. And you're going to turn the world upside down. But you better get up in the upper room. And then we, we learn, right, in the book of Acts, they continually did that. And that's where the power came to stand to have the heart of God, to they all laid their lives down. That's where it came from, from that place. And so I want to pray tonight because I told Rose, and I'm just being honest with you, I'm still dragging my feet. And that's what shook me today. I saw I'm still dragging my feet. Why am I dragging my feet? When something is right at the door, I'm telling you, it's right at the door. And we're not going to stand if we're not at his feet, if we're not watching and praying, just like the disciples thought they would. And God is, you know why he's calling us? Not just so we stand, because he's going to have a people. He is going to have a people that are going to proclaim when everything's shaking, when everything seems dark and hopeless, that's when he's really going to be glorified in and through his people. But we have to respond now. You can't wait till then. So he's inviting us. That's, this is an invitation. That was just an invitation. God's saying, come to my feet. I have things I want to do for you. I have things I want to impart to you. You need what I have. I have a purpose. I have a plan for you. And and my fear has been is so many of us are still dragging our feet. So many of us are still so distracted. And that's what happened to this brother. Still going to church, still doing you know, the, the routine thing, but totally caught up in life and grandkids and this and that. And don't have time for church. Don't have time to spend quiet. Just too much stuff going on. And so my counsel to him was, you need to sit down and seriously ask yourself what you are looking for, what your priorities are. Because just like David, I'm sure, never could have imagined he would do what he did, it didn't just happen overnight. It was a long, gradual process of getting distracted and getting away from that place that he probably had in the wilderness when he was a shepherd, when he sat under the stars and heard from God and, and was spending time with God. He got busy, he got distracted, and then the devil set up the perfect trap for him. So I want to pray tonight for all of us because we need God to help us in this area. And if that cry is there, he will help you. We did our, our video today for Pure Life and the whole 
thing was, when it's dark, when it seems like it's hopeless, you have to run and cling to Jesus. You have to cling on every word, every promise. And you have to stay there until there's a light at the end of that. That's what happened to our brother. That was his testimony tonight. And that's what God's calling us to do. That's how we're going to get through and be effective and stand in this hour. So I'm just going to start. Let's just take a little time to pray and, and ask God. Really what I'm asking for is revival. It's really, we need divine intervention. We need God to do what we're, we, we can't do in ourselves. But we still have to respond, okay? So let's, let's go to him.